0: Hello, this is Pastor Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. I'm not sure how you found this podcast or this particular episode, but we're happy that you're with us today. Just so you sort of understand where we're coming from, we're in a series called The Great Rapture Debate. The Great Rapture Debate. We've been in that for a few weeks now. And we have covered the letter of 1st Thessalonians, and now we're in 2nd Thessalonians. Those are letters by the Apostle Paul in the New Testament of the Christian Bible. So you can find that, and you can even look it up online. I use an app, or a service rather, called Bible Gateway, and that is a great place to look up your scriptures Of course, you can always have a copy of the Word of God in front of you as well. So we're glad you're here, and I want to ask a favor of you. We are being listened to from coast to coast in the United States and possibly other places around the world. I encourage you to reach out to your Christian friends, family members, co-workers. Let them know about the podcast. If there's anyone that you would like to listen to this podcast, just tell them to find it the easy way. Type in their search bar, dredhill.podbean.com, that's d-r-e-d-h-i-l-l dot p-o-d-b-e-a-n dot com, and that'll take uh, anyone who does that, it'll take them right to the podcast on the Podbean platform. All right, enough of that. So let's go to 2 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, and we're going to start in verse 1 of chapter 2. Now, a little bit of background and a few things of interest that will help you understand more of what we're going to see today. Paul, Silas, and Timothy had started the Thessalonican church. That's a a town in Greece. They started that church. And been there only a few weeks, and then Paul, as often happened to him, was run out of town by those who rejected his message. Nevertheless, the church had been planted. Paul had taught them quite a bit about Bible prophecy, and yet they still had some questions, and primarily their questions centered around the fact that they were going through so much uh, tribulation and trouble. And persecution in their lives since they had believed in Christ. It had gotten to the point that they were even believing apparently uh, errant teaching that they had missed the rapture of the church and they were indeed in the tribulation period Paul had taught them about. And I would assume from that that they felt like there was no hope that they had missed the rapture of the church and they were going through all of this persecution and trouble. And Paul has written back to them in 1 Thessalonians and then again here in 2 Thessalonians to correct that fear and that worry. Now, there's no way in the next one hour that I'm going to be able to bring you completely up to speed on on hundreds of details about future Bible prophecy. So I would direct you to previous series I've done in this podcast This Week in the Word. You can go back to almost last year about this time and listen to our podcast series called Future Trends, and that ran from April 26 to about June 30th. It's still available. Just go back through the titles and you'll find it. And then we touched a lot on some of these themes in a recent series entitled Deep Church. And that was not very long ago, probably, uh, I don't know, about uh, two months ago, I think. So you can find more about that uh, on on the podcast listings if you go farther back. If you go all the way back to March 30th, 2019, in our series on the Gospel of Mark, In that particular episode, March 30th, 2019, I cover in some detail what Christ had to say himself about future Bible prophecy and last things. But I want to up the ante, so to speak. I want to heighten your interest in what we're about to go over as if it's already not high enough. I'm sure it's very high. This past week, I was in a famous fast food restaurant, which serves large hamburgers. And while I was in there, there was an internal feed, I believe from that company, that had like, uh, you know, current contemporary music on it, uh, meaningless information about irrelevant people, you know, artists and so on on it. But I kind of ignore most of that, but I noticed to my amazement, that there was an ad on that. And I I'm not saying it was from this burger company, but I'm just saying it was part of that service they had on the screens in that fast food place. But anyway, there was like a news piece, and it was uh, touting with breathless wonderment what I'm about to tell you. It was explaining that Amazon is about to launch its first cashier less that means no cashier cashierless grocery store and they were going to base it on amazon go but this would be a grocery store that would even have produce in it and all the other things you buy when you go to a grocery store but here was the neatest part about it they were excited that you would use an app to pay for your groceries and you even had to use an app to enter that store Now, if you are lost today, not a Christian, maybe you're from some other religious tradition or background, or you claim no particular religious or spiritual interest at all, you may be saying, so what? That just simplifies everything. Way more convenient. (laughs) Hey, in the Bible, the Bible predicts a scenario where that would be perfect, for the coming world ruler to control who buys and sells, which is a future Bible prophecy. And we're going to see that person introduced right here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And when I saw that, I thought, good night. I mean, are, are things being set up or what for this to happen? Then I think on the same day, or certainly in the same week, I heard that Pope, whoever he is right now, I don't keep up with the Popes, but the current Pope in 2020 is going to make a major speech on a one world religion on May 14th, 2020. Come on. I mean, this is what we've been saying is going on. And I think, I don't know exactly what he's going to say, but apparently he's going to say, hey. The world needs to come together in one a one-world religion. Well, hey, Christians have been saying this was going to happen for a long, long time. I mean, hey, listen, even if you're not a Christian right now, you should be going, what? What, what is this about? Yeah, I've heard about that. And what's going on? And then, if you think about this, think about the three leaders in the world that are the most attacked and most hated right now by the uh, progressives, the socialists, the communists, the mainstream uh, media, and so forth. The three people, and you can fill in the first blank. That would be President Trump. It would also include Boris Johnson, Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. It would include... Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister of Israel. All three of these men are strong national leaders, and there's no hint of racism in being patriotic for your country. I don't know who made that up, but anyway, they they believe in their respective countries. They are not on board with a one-world government or one-world religion, and they are they are obstacles, frankly, in the way of the world's drive toward a one-world government, one-world religion, and so forth. So, again, if if you're new to this, your head's on a uh, <laughs> your head is on a, a, a swivel, I guess. Right now, you're going like, "What are you talking about?" Hey, well, like I said, there's a lot of details to this. So I'm going to try to bring some of it together in our passage today. So uh, again, if you say, well, you know, things are today pretty much like they were 50 years ago. You, sir, you, madam, would be wrong. That is not the case because these are major emerging trends that will enable all of what's predicted in future Bible prophecy to come about, and the fact that you have Israel, which was dead as a nation, which was resurrected on May 14th, 1948. And it's interesting that the Pope has given his speech on May 14th. That's interesting to me. But uh, Israel was basically dead and gone, and yet it was resurrected And now it is a modern nation just as the Bible predicted would happen. You know, it's a funny, inconvenient truth about the Bible for a lot of people that when it predicts something prophetically, it is fulfilled exactly as it was predicted. And if it was predicted as something that would literally happen, it is fulfilled literally exactly as prophesied so think about that now let me help you understand what we're about to read in second thessalonians chapter 2 i've noticed when the holiday seasons come or season comes and and my wife is getting ready for a thanksgiving dinner or maybe a christmas dinner i've noticed something I can start to tell something good is coming up, right? Because I can smell what's being cooked. I can see that the table has been set. And then that wonderful meal and that wonderful fellowship with my family is enjoyed. And I'm sure it's like that probably at your home as well. Have you ever noticed that the dinner doesn't just materialize instantaneously with no warning, you, you're able to tell that something good's about to happen. Well, it's that way with Bible prophecy. And from the Christian viewpoint, these are good things. But from the viewpoint of those who are not Christians, these things are quite alarming and quite troubling. Let's go to Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means." For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God." Remember ye not that when I was with ye, yet, yet with you, I told you these things. And now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth, and that, that word letteth means prevents or hinders, only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders." and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. And in the Greek, it is that they should believe the lie that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but have pleasure in unrighteousness. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation And good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. All right, now let's go back through this and break this down. In verse 1, he refers uh, to two events. First, he refers to the return of Christ in the first part of verse 1 in Thessalonians 2, 2 Thessalonians and by our gathering unto him. That that there is where he's referring to the rapture. So he's reminding them of what he taught them about the return of Christ at the end of the tribulation and, and what he taught them about the rapture of the church, the gathering together unto him. Now, I'm not a Greek authority, but I read what a Greek authority had to say. And this verse in chapter 2 verse 1 because of the the grammatical structure in Greek clearly refers to two different events the return of Christ which comes at the end of the tribulation and the rapture of the church which comes prior to the tribulation now I'm well aware of many other uh, teachings and And views and schemes and so forth about when the rapture occurs. I'm just trying to teach you what the Bible teaches right here. I believe Christ comes for his bride, the church, prior to the tribulation period. And and that's what I believe scripture teaches. How else would they be comforted? Like he says at the end of this chapter, Would it be a comfort to you to find out that even though you were saved, yep, you're going through the tribulation where the wrath of God is poured out on the earth? That just doesn't make sense to me. So he refers here for sure toward the end of the verse to the rapture of the church. And he explains that that they know about these things. It isn't something that he has not taught them about and they need to remind themselves about this. There's no need to be deceived and there's no deception that should be possible because he has explained this to them. Now, let me make the rapture fit into the whole subject of the last days. I believe... Although I'm not setting a date for the rapture, I believe from what I see going on around me in the world, I see the table being set for dinner, so to speak. As I see all of that coming together, and we'll mention some more about that as we go in this episode, I just have to think, man, you know, the rapture could come at any time. So if you're not saved today, you need to get saved. You need to trust Christ. There's no guarantee the rapture won't happen tonight or next week or three months from now. It may happen a decade from now. We don't know when, but we can see the table is being set. And another thing that should sober everyone listening who's not saved, you have personally no guarantee that you will live through this day. You do not know if you will be alive this time next week or five years from now. There's no guarantee that you'll have a second chance, like if you don't receive Christ now, that you'll have time later. The right time to get saved is right now. Today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. But the rapture, some people criticize the idea of a pre-tribulation rapture. They criticize that and say that that we're talking about some secret rapture. Well, I don't think it'll be very secret. I think it'll be a globally acknowledged event. Now, I don't know if the world is going to understand what happened, but a lot of people will be able to put two and two together, especially people who are around Christians and raised in churches when they were young. They're going to say, this could be that rapture thingy I heard about. Yeah, it could be. (laughs) The rapture is going to be, I believe, a global event that the world will will scramble to explain or dismiss or cover over or hide or something. But it's going to be obvious to the entire world that the common denominator between all the people who are no longer here is that every single one of them profess to be a believer in Jesus Christ. Even though they came from the Far East, the Near East, the Middle East, North America, South America, Antarctica probably, the Arctic Circle, everywhere in between Europe, Africa, Asia, even though people will disappear from all over the globe because the Lord takes them out of this world. And by the way, don't let that blow you up. I mean, if you can watch Star Trek and see people be, uh, beamed down and beamed up. I mean, if man can think of that, God can certainly snatch his church out of this world. That is not too big of a problem for God, I can assure you. And it's happened before. It happened with Enoch in the book of Genesis. It happened with Elijah the prophet. I, I believe that you could say, in in essence, Christ was raptured when he ascended back into heaven after the resurrection. Now, uh, Paul may have experienced that when he had the heavenly vision. So any, anyway, what I'm trying to say is this is not an unheard of event in the Bible and in history from Bible times. So this is a global event, and I think the world will have to work really hard to come up with some type of alien global warming, climate change, uh, some new weapon one of the countries has, or whatever, they're going to come up with some explanation for that. But uh, whether that's believed or not, it's going to open the door for some things to begin to happen. And, and you'll see why as we go through this lesson today. So he talks here in verse two, he says, that ye be not soon shaken in mind. It means the idea of just to be rattled to the foundation, shocked, soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter is from us, as if the day of Christ is at hand. Now that's specifically speaking there about what we call in the Old Testament the day of the Lord. It's not the rapture of the church referred to right there. It's the day of the Lord, that extended period of time Uh, especially that runs during the tribulation period, that seven years before the return of Christ to take over the wreckage of planet earth and fix everything. And basically that will run on seven years and then he comes back and there is judgment that follows that. Well, what they were worried about is they were in that time. And Paul says, no, that, that you're not in that time. And he, and he says in verse 3, let no man deceive you by any means. So there, there's no need for them to worry and there's no need for them to be deceived. For that day, what is that? that? The day of the Lord leading to the return of Christ and the judgment that follows. For that day shall not come except there come. And he's going to mention two things except there come a falling away first, and that is the Greek word apostasia, and it can literally mean rebellion, and I think it is a rebellion of the world against God to basically go down the path of atheism, reject Christ, reject the concept of a biblical God, and it also clearly, I believe, as is, is you'll see if you go back and listen to deep church. It clearly refers to the apostasy, which there is a, a, uh, an article here for the apostasy. It's the one he's talking about where the professing church denies Christ and is ashamed of his words. And that's a false church, by the way, filled with people who think they're Christians, but they're not, and they know they're not. They're not serious about it. They don't love Jesus. They don't love his word. Hey, did you know that I heard this week that researchers believe that of professing Christians that only 18% read their Bibles daily? Let that sink in. You say, boy, we need to do more work to get those Christians reading their Bibles. I take a different view of it. This may offend you, I don't care. I believe it's the 18% that read the Word that are probably the true Christians. There may be others among that other percentage that aren't reading their Bibles that are that are being lazy and they're sinning by not doing so, taking in the Word of God. There may be some of those. There may even be a lot of those. But I tell you what, if you're a true Christian, You will have a hunger for the Word of God, just like a baby wants milk, just like a grown-up wants to eat three times a day. You will hunger after the Word of God. Now, if you believe you're truly a Christian and you do not have a hunger for the Word of God, you need to repent of that and ask the Lord to create that appetite in you and then just do it, baby, Get your Bible out and start reading. Start in the Gospel of John. That would be a great place. So there's going to be the falling away first, the apostasy first, and that man of sin be revealed. That is the Antichrist, the son of perdition. So the apostasy and the Antichrist. Both of those have the the definite article the in front of them so listen when you have false teachers or well-meaning people who are not versed in the word of God teaching you something like well you know there's just like this antichrist attitude and system in the world well that's true there there is that no doubt but there is going to be the antichrist there is a global leader coming that will make make Hitler, Mao say tongue, or anybody else, Alexander the Great look like uh, you know rookies. The one that's coming will be a global leader that will blow the world away. The world is going to be quite taken with this one. He is a substitute Christ, and by the way, the church fathers clearly understood what I just told you way back in church history. This idea that all of this was invented by John Nelson Darby in the 1800s, now he taught on it, but he did not originate this message. This is from the Bible, and the church fathers knew that. They even taught a seven-year tribulation period followed by the literal return of Christ to the earth. That is, that is an old Christian doctrine, not some new teaching that came up recently. Well, this one who will eventually eventually be revealed, the Antichrist, will sign a covenant with a particular nation. And it's not Ukraine, and it's not Russia and it's not Australia. Hey, guess which country it is? Israel. Now, Israel went out of existence for pretty close to 2,000 years, and God resurrected that nation on May 14, 1948. So there now is a country in place called Israel that this predicted world leader will be able to sign a covenant Uh, I guess, a peace treaty, a security pact with them guaranteeing their security. Now, we're going to see that something happens from that. And we do not know all the details, but we're going to see that it requires an actual temple to exist in Israel. Now, there isn't one currently, and there hasn't been one since 70 A.D., I'm not a betting man, but if I was, I would put my money on the fact that since God rebirthed Israel miraculously, that God will have an actual temple rebuilt in Israel, in Jerusalem. Now, it's not there today, but did you know this? There's something called the Temple Mount Institute, led by Orthodox Jews. They have everything, everything ready that's needed to reinstitute the sacrificial system in a rebuilt temple, and they want it to happen yesterday. But the political powers that be are in their way. Well, one day, that's not going to be a problem. One day, that temple will be rebuilt. One of the things that's been discovered recently by archeologists is that, you know, you've seen the photographs of the Wailing Wall and the Jewish men out there bowing and praying as they weep and pray at the Wailing Wall and other, other guests go there and do this as well. You've seen that photograph. All right, here's the thing. Archeologists have recently discovered that that wall probably is not related to the temple. It's related to another structure, and you can look that up on Google as easy as I can and uh, see the videos and read the articles. It's believed to be a slight distance away from that, which would remove the problem of the Muslim Dome of the Rock that's on the temple foundation what's believed to be that, or has been believed to be that. Removing the problem of disturbing Islam and their most holy site and all of that, to rebuild the temple. Now, if that's correct, that's very interesting. At any rate, it will be rebuilt, and when it is, the Jews have everything ready for it to be in operation. Now, if you've never read what I'm about to read, this is going to blow your mind. Verse four, Who opposeth and exalteth himself, who's that? The Antichrist we just saw in verse three, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worship, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now where it says, sitteth in the temple, That word there is kathidzo, and it means to be seated, like on a chair. In the temple, the word temple is naos, and it doesn't mean the outer temple. It means the holiest of all, the holy of holies of the temple, where only God is allowed. So this one who signs this covenant with Israel as a friend of Israel actually turns out to be their worst enemy so i want to challenge you today to put your thinking cap on now right now some of you are thinking well that must be president trump because he just offered that treaty and all of that hey that was that was dead on arrival before it ever got there because a palestinian authority announced months ago that uh They would have nothing to do with that. And then we could get into all of that, but I don't want to. So this is not about President Trump or anything like that. This is a future world leader who will bring this about. Now, he says in verse 5, Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things? So he had taught them quite a bit about this. Now, when that treaty is signed... That starts the seven-year tribulation period, and you can read about this in the Old Testament book of Daniel chapter 9. Pastor Ed, I got a lot of catching up to do. Yes, you do, sir, ma'am. If you are a professing Christian and you do not know what I'm talking about, you definitely have a lot of catching up to do. And by the way, the idea that a man could claim himself to be God, did you know that in recent months, Sweden, the country of Sweden, says that that Greta Thunberg is the successor to Jesus Christ? Let Let that hit you. I mean, of course, that's not true, but that's what a secular country is saying about an individual. Well, one day, this world leader will go into the temple, rebuild in Jerusalem, into the Holy of Holies, set up apparently an image of himself. The false prophet will lead in that. And that's when the last three and a half years of the seven-year tribulation period commence. The time that Jesus himself called the Great Tribulation. He said about that time that there was never, never had been a time like that on the earth and there would never be a time again like that on the earth, like as bad as that three and a half year period, the great tribulation would be. Well, when he, this false leader, goes into the temple and does this, that starts the great tribulation. The last three and a half years, of the larger tribulation period. That's when you see the false prophet, which may be well, well be the leader of the Catholic Church, or somebody like him, somebody in charge of this new one-world religion, whoever that might be. It, it, that's where you see, as you can read about in Revelation 13, the mark of the beast on the right hand or the forehead, well, Ed, that's just like uh, fairy tale stuff. I don't think so. Uh, I I believe it is again Sweden. I believe I'm correct on that country. They've decided, made a decision to go cashless, so that everything is done electronically, all buying and selling. And there are countries, uh, companies today rather who specialize in the subcutaneous. Yep, I use that word, <laughs> below the skin implants about the size of a grain of rice that has your entire history in it, all your financial stuff, medical stuff, et cetera. But they're using it so people have access to their uh, company, like to get on and off a company campus or inside a lab, you know, and all that kind of stuff. I'm not making this up. There are companies using this, maybe a few, but it is being used. And you can see how it eventually could be used to basically tag everybody and determine whether they can get in and out of stores. I mean, hey listen, you do not have to be a quote, Bible believer to realize this is a recipe for disaster. When, the, when faucets are controlled by um, sensors that have to be powered electronically, and that controls water to and from your home or business or church or whatever? What happens if somebody somewhere, officially or not, decides that they just don't like you? They don't like what you believe or stand for. You see how easy it is to control you when your food and water can be controlled, your medical care? So Ed, are you saying that's what this is right now? I didn't say that. I said the table's being set. A an internet of things and an internet of everything is being set up where everything is integrated into one system. Let, uh, hey, let's say let's say this. Let's say that you don't believe the Bible at all. Okay, let's just assume that's what you think. Do you think it's a good thing for everything to be integrated into one system so that? undesirables, enemies of the state, etc., can be frozen out of that system? That doesn't warm my heart. I mean, you don't even have to believe the Bible to realize that that just doesn't seem like a good idea. And that's definitely the direction we're going in. So, Paul has taught them a good bit about all of this, and he reminds them in verse 5, that I, I told you about this, and he, he's asking him. you remember that, right? Now, verse 6 is an interesting verse right here. What is it, and why is it, that if the world wants a one-world religion, and one-world government, and one-world leader, and all of that, and they, and it does, clearly it does, and there are organizations, political and uh, uh, fraternal type organizations all over the world and they've been here for uh, a long time and they infiltrate all the governments of the world. A lot of the leaders of the governments of the world believe what I'm talking about right here about that that the world needs to be under one system so that it can be uh, peaceful and led safely and all this kind of stuff. All right, so... What is it that keeps... If the world wants it, why can't they just have it right now? Well, there's something blocking them. Actually, it's someone. Verse 6. And now ye know what withholdeth. In other words, something's holding this back. And now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. And how come we don't know who the Antichrist is right now? Well, we don't know who he is right now because it's not his time yet. It's not his season. Now, let's say the rapture of the church happened three months from now or five years from now. Once that event happens and literally millions of Christians are removed from the world, police forces, militaries, governments, sheriff's departments, hospitals, EMTs, teachers, coaches, you know, every, every part of the world you can think of, business, stock market, whatever, Christians are gone, then all that's left are those who aren't Christians. You see what I'm saying? And there's nothing left to restrain evil. Now, Paul is going to explain this a little further, and let me show you this. For the verse seven, for the mystery of iniquity doth already work. In other words, it's like a a racehorse at the gate ready to run the race. It's like a huge German shepherd straining on a chain to get loose, and but it's restrained. I mean, if Satan could wear the world out right now, he would do it today, but he's not allowed to yet. But once the rapture occurs, I think that is a trigger event where the restraining ministry of the Holy Spirit is, is sort of like um, if, the, if all of this bad stuff, the Antichrist and everything, is like the German shepherd on the leash, the leash is unloosed. If it's like, like the influence of righteousness through Christians in the church dwelt by the Holy Spirit in this world, if that's like a, a wall or a block that maybe a door is made through that wall or the wall is pushed to the side and all of that evil flows forth. I mean, you think the world is bad right now? You ain't seen nothing yet, buddy. Wait until there's nothing and no one to restrain evil. So I do not believe the Holy Spirit if you want to get real technical and theological, is taken out of the world. The church is, but certainly his restraining ministry is uh, like stands aside is the idea so that all of this can go forth. And that's when, and I, I say this reverently, that's when hell on earth begins to be unleashed. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he, and that's a personal pronoun, he, the Holy Spirit, only he who now letteth, and remember that word letteth means like to, to hinder or restrain, only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed. This is the Antichrist whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. You know, we have all these ideas and movies about the battle of Armageddon and Satan using the Antichrist and the armies of the world to fight the return of Christ. And I'm sure they will. I have no doubt they will. But you know what? The Lord Jesus Christ is so completely powerful that all he has to do is show up and it's lights out for the Antichrist. There's no, like, struggle when Christ comes back. No matter what Satan tries to do through the Antichrist, and he, he will literally indwell the Antichrist in the last three and a half years. No matter what he tries to do when Christ comes back in the return of Christ, the second coming, he'll be destroyed, and he'll go into the lake of fire. I mean, it's not going to be some gigantic struggle of the ages like people talk about. Jesus is God. Game over. Game over. So if you're not a Christian, then by default, you're casting your lot with the Antichrist, right? So you need to choose in decision 2020. Is it going to be Jesus Christ? Or is it going to be the Antichrist? And, and not choosing Jesus is putting yourself on the side of the Antichrist. Now, who wants to be on his side, right? So you can kind of see a little better what's happening. And Jesus talked about a period of time, that great tribulation, when even those of your own house would turn against you. And I believe that means people. But I I was thinking recently, how that, hey, that could also be things namely Alexa, Echo, Siri, you know, our phones, our devices. Oh man, you know, we're being surveilled all the time. All you have to do is have the wrong type of government, the wrong type of leader, get solidly in control of all of this technology and use it for evil. And there's no escape. Let that sink in. There's even a threat from predictive artificial intelligence, predictive AI. Ed, you conspiracy freaks freak me out. Hey, well then, although I'm not saying they believe everything I'm talking about here today, uh, the predictive AI thing, then you can count Elon Musk, Bill Gates, and Stephen Hawking in that crowd, because they saw, they see, Hawking has passed away, but the, the other two see the threat this can be to mankind, that it can get completely out of hand, especially when you think of robotics. And if I'm not mistaken, I, I believe it's Elon Musk believes that robots are not the way to be going. And these are super smart people, man. So who are you to sit there and say Oh, this could never be because brighter minds than yours and mine are saying, "Hey, this is not going in a way that's good for mankind." Well, the Antichrist will take full advantage of of all of these things to be used to to grow his world government and protect it and root out everyone who's against it. Wow, I know this is a dump truck load. I know it's heavy. So we see that the rapture is coming and I believe that's tied in with the restraining ministry of the Holy Spirit being uh, like standing aside so that evil can be unleashed and the, great tribu- the, the tribulation begins to unfold and the worst part of it is the great tribulation where the Antichrist proclaims himself to be God, demands beast worship, And we are told in Revelation 13 about the image of the beast. And I I heard about some information this week. And I thought, man, that that makes all of that make even more sense of how that could be. And I can't remember what it was. (laughs) It'll come back to me later. I'll remember it. But, uh, you know, even the idea of when Christ comes in the second coming, the return of Christ, that every eye will see him. Even Bible believers have puzzled for centuries about how could that be possible? Especially when we find out that the world is a a sphere, right? A globe. Well, amazing as it might seem, just about everybody in the world has a cell phone and cameras are being put up everywhere. So although I've never doubted it, I mean, it's easy to see now when Christ returns how every eye will see him. I mean, we used to say back in the day, well, that's because of, you know, global network television. We don't even need that now. You could just see it, uh, you know, through your, your devices, right? You see what I'm saying? So uh, there might be something to this. What do you think? Uh, there is, and I'm warning you. All right, so let's go to uh, verse. Uh, let's go back to verse nine. I want to hit that a little bit. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, the Satan will be using the Antichrist with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. That's lost people because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Have you been rejecting Jesus, rejecting Bible truth, because you love your sin? That verse is talking about you. And for verse 11, And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion. Did you notice there that God sends that strong delusion? Why? Because if somebody has rejected Christ, at some point that that open door of grace of salvation closes and during the tribulation period although there will be many people saved for sure there will be there will be a a great soul-winning revival during the tribulation but for those who who openly knowingly rejected christ you better listen to what this verse says and for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Now in King James, it says a lie. In the Greek, the definite article is there. They should believe the lie. What is the lie? Well, in this context, is that the Antichrist is God. People who have rejected Christ will gladly line up to worship the beast worship the image of the beast and gladly take his mark in their right hand or their forehead to openly identify with the beast and to be part of his economic and political and religious system. Gladly. And they will believe the lie. Now, verse 12 says that they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. This is, this is a sad verse, and it pains my heart to read the verse. But all of those who end up, as I just said, are condemned. Why? Because they believe not the truth. What's the truth? The truth of the gospel about Jesus Christ, that He is God. And He is our only Savior. And He rose again victorious over the grave. And He can save people. But for those who reject that, turn away from that, they are condemned. That they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Is your life dedicated to righteousness, or pleasing yourself in unrighteousness. For some listening today, you know that this verse is describing your life, and you need to repent of your sin and turn to Christ. And that's how that part ends, and that's very, very sad, because they, they believe the lie. They're taken in completely, by the false miracles, by the signs, and by the lying wonders. They worship the beast, worship his image, gladly receive his mark, and are proud citizens of one world government, one world religion, and they are damned. Verse 13, here's good news. But we are bound to give thanks all the way to God for you, Brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto He called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle, Now, our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Now, these people here are the true believers in Christ, chosen by God they are taken out of the world before the tribulation starts. And we're to comfort our hearts together. If you are a Christian today and you are to pass away in the near future, before the rapture of the church, you you will enjoy all of this comfort that's spoken of here because you have come to Christ. You've repented of your sin, turned to Christ. You've been saved. You've been born again by the Spirit of God, you're part of the family of God. You belong to Jesus Christ. Amen. And for those who are alive on the earth just prior to the tribulation and the rapture comes, if I'm alive then, if you're alive then, we're going to meet the Lord in the air as we saw in First Thessalonians 4, verses 13 through 18. And so shall we ever be with the Lord no hint of going through the tribulation of suffering uh, like these that we just read about before we are raptured out that's the good news now you know what one of the one of the errors the the, the uh, Thessalonians were also making was not only a little bit of confusion and losing hope thinking that they had missed the rapture and they were now in the tribulation because of all the trouble they were going through, not only was that something they struggled with, which Paul is correcting right here, but some people in their church went to the other extreme. They were saying like, well, hey, if the Lord's coming next week, I'm quitting my job. Uh, Hey, uh, how about I come over and eat at your house this week? You, You see what I'm saying? They were beginning to be a little bit lazy, some of them, not all of them. Most of them weren't, I'm sure. But a few had gone to the other extreme of saying, well, if the Lord's coming back pretty soon, let's just let's just stop working. And maybe they even put it under the idea of, let's witness, spend all our time witnessing and stop working because the Lord's probably coming within three weeks. Uh, that's, that is incorrect. Not that he couldn't come in three weeks. But notice here he says, not only does he want their hearts to be comforted in verse 17, but he says, establish you in every good word and work. We are to become very stable and dependable and uh, solid in doing our work every day like we should, being a good witness, a good citizen, a good neighbor, a good Christian, we're to, to be very serious about being all that we can be in the power of Christ, even though we don't know when the rapture is going to happen. We should be living like it's going to happen soon, and that means we the Lord should find us busy at work. You follow what I'm saying? It's not a time to say, well, let's sell everything we have and buy white robes and sit on tops of our houses like some cults have done in the past. So... Uh, don't get tricked into that. Woo! I put a lot of energy into this. And if you listened all the way through, you get a blue ribbon. You've, you've done well to go all the way through this with me. But I'm so glad you stayed with me. And we, hey, you know, we got it in in about an hour. That's pretty amazing. But there's hundreds of details that I did not cover in this hour. And you're going to have to do some homework on your own. And I know you can do it because the Lord will help you do it. Hey, listen, if you're not a Christian, you have spiritual questions. You want to be saved. You want to grow in your faith as a Christian. I'm going to give you a number you can call during business hours, Eastern Time in the United States. And that's Monday through Friday. You can call 888-537-8720. 888-537-8720. You can get your spiritual questions answered by calling that number. It's free. You know, you're not going to be charged anything to make that call. And uh, if you're at the point where you realize you're lost and you need Christ, you need to repent of your sin today and trust Jesus Christ today as your Savior and Lord. Well, thanks again for listening. Please tell others about the podcast, www.dredhill.podbean.com. We can be found on Spotify, uh, Google Play, Apple iTunes, iHeartRadio Podcast, and other places as well. Thanks again for listening. I look forward to the next podcast with you. God bless you richly is my prayer. Amen.